Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. Good to chat with you all again. First of five podcasts for the week, and I'll be very honest, uh, this is going to be a quick shorty. I am recording this late Sunday evening. I went to the radio station, did the pregame show, had a little pizza, hung with the boys, and watched the game, and then did a two-hour postgame show, and just drove home, just walked in the door here of my humble abode, and I'm pretty spent, to be honest with you, and haven't got a chance to watch this game a second time, but I wanted to get a little something in your ear holes before, you know, early Monday, so we have something to jump off of. The next couple podcasts will be more in-depth of what we saw. Uh, I'm going to start with the injuries, you know, just because I think that's, you know, a big deal here. It looks like Watt's perfectly fine. I mean, he was on the sidelines yucking it up and laughing with Hayward and his other buddies, and great. Uh, I think that was just a scare. You know, he got a shot to the knee, probably hurt like crazy, and then they decided, well, if that's the way Detroit's going to do this, which wasn't dirty at all, let's get our star out of there. Highsmith already didn't play. Depth there is brutal, and oh, by the way, he's the Defensive Player of the Year, and we know his importance. Great. Get him out. I I was frankly shocked he played as long as he did. Um, That is also true for Hayward, especially after that injury to Watt. I was a little shocked he stayed out there. Um, Deontay looks maybe more serious than Watt, which isn't serious at all. By the sounds of things, if that was a playoff game or regular season game, Deontay comes back in. Wish I'd have seen him on the sidelines, happy as can be with no, you know, uh, ice or anything on him. But we didn't, I didn't see that or notice it on first viewing. Uh, we'll see. I assume he'll take a couple easy days, plenty of time between now and Cincinnati. Not a big concern. Um, you also should get Claypool back, and I would imagine Austin. So you should have a pretty stacked group of receivers, which is fun. I want to stress the KZ thing, though. Um, I think this is a problem. And anyone that's listened to me for a while or go back and read my articles on the first articles I wrote for the site was, you know, all the things KZ can bring to the table. And he has matched all those expectations for me as a slot corner, a deep, free, versatile, tough um, playmaker, takes a football away. And I think there's a real ripple effect to his injury, which I'm totally guessing on Sunday evening looked like a broken wrist. I mean, so that that would not be a season ender. I guess probably by the time you listen to this, you'll know better than me. It looked like an arm injury. It looked like a broken bone, but I hate playing doctor. So that's just a, a very much of a guess. Um, but here's the ripple effect. And you probably noticed it in this game. If you didn't, I think this is really interesting. Is Minka, for the most part, since he's been a stealer, has been your deep middle free safety type. Um and I very much think that they want to do more with him. You know, Dale and I often use the example of when the Ravens, when you play the Ravens, maybe he plays man coverage against Mark Andrews. You know, one example. But we've seen him near the line of scrimmage more and more, including tonight. And because KZ's there, they have not had a real free safety during the Minka era. Well, now they do, so they can expand what Minka brings to the table which is dramatic. In his days in Alabama, one of his greatest calling cards was his versatility and his intelligence and ability to do a lot of different things, including playing corner and linebacker level. So I think that puts that on hold a big way because they don't have a free safety they trust and those guys don't grow on trees. 
to play the Minka role. The other thing is, and I've talked about this a lot, is I very much expect more big nickel, three safety packages. Maybe that's with your front five and Bush off the field. I'm sure a lot of you guys would like that. Or Bush and Jack are still out there and Alulu's off the field. But either way, I think against base or even um, 11 personnel or 12 personnel with a really athletic tight end, you can do a lot of things with a big nickel three safety package. Well, now they don't have three safeties worth putting out there. So uh, we'll start with you know, kind of start, start and stop there with the injuries, but the KZ one is problematic. Um, just a couple little notes I want to buzz through here. We saw, Rashid, I mentioned Highsmith was out. Um, Rashid started at the right outside linebacker, right edge spot. Um, apparently they really like this guy. Um, I, I want to talk to Dale more about it. Who's seen him more at practice since Latrobe, you know, he barely was there in Latrobe. So I don't have a real good feel for him, but I think they have a, a liking for Rashid. So that's just noteworthy. I still think edge is a position they need to go try to find somebody else, but I'm at least open to the idea that they think they made a stole one away there. We'll see. I like that they came out early in 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field on offense and put Hayward at the fullback position. Interesting. You know, just showing it, I think, is intriguing. Um, flat out, I thought Trubisky played well. I thought Pickett played well. Rudolph was fine. Um, I think Pickett has gotten to the point now where he is elevating those around him, which is extremely intriguing to me and very impressive at this stage of his career. He's not the one swimming. He's the one helping the swimmers to shore, you know, and making their lives easier. That's a massive compliment. Trubisky's the starter, folks, and I have nothing bad to say about Trubisky. He made some plays here, too. Uh, the, the, the drive that started on the Steelers own seven, we got to see a true two minute drill and he excelled in that situation. That was great. Um, I mentioned Bush earlier. I just have a, a few things highlighted from my notes. I'm throwing out here just to give you guys something. Again, this is not a total recap or if I miss something, I'll get around to it eventually. Don't worry. Their linebacker rotation. I need to study more. I couldn't quite get a grasp was... Bush, the dimebacker, because he was a couple times, was the only linebacker on the field. Spillane played with Jack a fair amount in nickel and base, but so did Bush. I don't exactly quite know Sunday night on one viewing how that linebacker rotation was being used, what they were trying to do. Um, deep down, I just think Spillane's not good enough, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, um, I, I do think that... Um, uh, Robinson is super interesting at that linebacker spot, but not yet. Trust me, people close to the team, and, and I'm sure he's learning. Don't get me wrong. Just think he's a year away in terms of recognition, but he's really interesting. I'm gl very glad they drafted him. He has athletic ability. He has pop, and he makes splash plays. I don't know how many times I've said the word splash plays in a negative way around Bush on this podcast already, but Robinson makes splash plays, including special team plays. So, He's a keeper. He's intriguing. I mean, I can't say the same about Buddy Johnson and some of the others. Um, what else we got here? Uh, a lot of penalties in this game. Um, both sides. I mean, they both had six penalties in the first half. There was definitely some sloppiness on both sides of the ball. 
made me long for regular season football, to be honest, you know, but oh well. Um, Cam Hayward, as well as Liao, swatting footballs at the line of scrimmage. Um, Cam's remarkably good at that already and clearly has worked on it. However, you do that. I have this little pet theory that TJ told JJ to go talk to Cam. JJ's the best SWAT guy I've ever seen, JJ Watt. And I have no clue if there's any truth to that or not. But now that Hayward's doing it so well, as role models often do, it rubs off on other D linemen, and these guys are swatting passes consistently. If you could swat two passes a game, let alone, I think they had four in this game, that turns into, you know, tip balls, interceptions, the ball goes straight up in the air and somebody grabs it, it breaks up drives. I mean, that's a remarkably impressive or important aspect for it. Um, quick special teams note, Boz is just fine. I know he had one blocked. He's making field goals all as well. I probably would have went for it, you know, especially on that fourth and five after Boz had, you know, nailed a couple field goals already. Like, do we really need to trot the field goal team out again in a preseason game? Could we get better going for it there and stress the quarterback and offense in a fourth and five situation as if the game was on the line? But I'm nitpicking on a Tomlin decision there. Not a big deal. I thought Harvin punted really well. It looked like I didn't sit there with my stopwatch, but it looked like he had some very good hang time. Uh, not surprising to me at all. Um, back shoulder throws is a theme here as well. Trubisky throws a great one to Pickens. The fact that Pickett is throwing back shoulder throws and looks like he's <laughs> very comfortable and very good at them already is ahead of the curve. Uh, so I think that that is something that takes a lot of timing for Mitch as well. You know, he's a new guy here too. And that takes a lot of rapport that trust your receiver to know to break back on a back shoulder throw. Um, here's something I think is interesting. At the half, the I love that in preseason games, I like to pull up the, the box score at the half because – looking at the box score for the entire game is worthless. You know, the, oh, well, the Lions were gashing them in the fourth quarter. None of those guys are going to even be football players. I mean, they had bottom the barrel defensive players on the field. I'm not going to skew the numbers because of that. But at the half, the Steelers held the Lions to 3.6 yards per play, which is extremely low, which would have been like the lowest in the league last year, to give you some example. You know, 3.6 yards per play for the Lions in the first half. Steelers offense averaged 6.1 yards per play, which would have been basically tops in the league last year. So that's a massive discrepancy. The rest of the stats were very similar. Number of plays run, um, time of possession, those type of thing. Team stats were similar, except for yards per play. Um, so I thought that was important. Uh, what else do I got here? I, I think that's really it, to be honest with you. Oh, I hate to bring this up. And I, I it just dawned on me, though. I, I think it was one of the national folks were interviewing Najee Harris super late in the game. And I thought to myself, 
I wonder if Najee knows that Brian Robinson, the running back for Washington, who was in the midst of taking over the, the starter job for the commanders, was shot um, several times, apparently, in what was a carjacking. And first of all, I hope Robinson's okay. Early reports from Adam Schefter is it's not life-threatening. It's unbelievably tragic nonetheless. But I was just sitting there looking at Najee going, these guys were teammates. Robinson was his backup at Bama. And I knew that at that point that Robinson had gone through this. Did Najee know whenever he was being interviewed? Or did he find out when he went into the locker room? You know, I'm just tying it into the Steelers. And I just wanted to throw that out there. But more importantly, I hope Robinson's okay. And whether he plays again or not, or gets back on the field soon or not, that's not important. But I just wanted to throw that out there because um, I was concerned about it. Um, and that's a wrap. Uh, again, I am going to be done for the day here, Sunday evening. I'm happy to be done. I'll get back at it heavy tomorrow. Lots to do. And over and out. Take care.